On this episode of Mike Drop Dallas, we're talking about the new and improved Dallas Wings of the WNBA. We've got Joe Trahan from Channel 8 here. We're going to talk stars, Mavericks, Rangers, golf, all of that and much more on Season 3, Episode 7. So let's drop the mic and let's go. Welcome to Mike Drop Dallas, everyone, the official podcast of the Dallas Sports Commission. Kevin Sullivan here, along with Sports Commission Executive Director Monica Paul and our on-air producer, Next Level Marcus Carr. Monica, what's happening at the Dallas Sports Commission? I know you got something new and new and big up your sleeve, as always. Well, yeah, we always keep busy, but right now we're really focused on our Women's Fauna Four Volunteer Appreciation event that'll be taking place later on in. In May, uh, you know, a lot of positiveness uh, came out of the women's final four, a lot of accolades, a lot of records broke, but we couldn't have been successful without our volunteers. So we want to spend a little time recognizing them and showing them some appreciation. So excited about that event uh, later on in May. Uh, there will be a small group of us heading to Miami um, this week to take uh, meetings with FIFA. Actually, all host cities will be there and really get a a uh, overview and kind of report back from Qatar their local organizing committee in terms of you know what worked what didn't suggestions on on improvements and try to glean some information on uh you know maybe what we can integrate here for our world cup in 2026 and then ideally I'm hoping to come away with maybe an updated timeline of uh, the biggest question that I get out there is, uh, are we hosting the final or how many matches are we hosting or anything like that? So that's what I'm hoping to, to come back with. Uh, Big 12 baseball championships is coming up later in May as well toward the end. Uh, tickets are on sale there. So that's that should be exciting. Um, just recently also announced the CONCACAF Gold Cup quarterfinal will be taking place at AT&T Stadium. Uh, we're pre- preparing for a big launch on uh, May 18th, so more to come once uh, we're able to share what May 18th uh, may have in store. So that'll probably be on our our next uh, um, Mic Drop uh, Dallas episode. I noticed that uh, the Sports Commission put out a ticket promo offer for the upcoming KitchenAid Senior PGA Championship, which is the first of many major championships coming to PGA Frisco. Uh, just another huge event, uh, you know, coming to our area and it's good, good to see the sports commission, um, you know, helping build, get the word out about that. Yeah. You know, I think we want to be able to support the the PGA as much as we possibly can, uh, providing whether it's, uh, providing volunteers, getting ticket information out, providing opportunities to underserved, uh, you know, kids to experience Mm -hmm. golf or even attend the event, uh, those are all positive things, and I think uh, bring uh, a, a large benefit to our our community and the quality of life, which is uh, one of our missions over at the Sports Commission. You know, we're able to spend most of our time here on Mike Drop Dallas talking about happy things, but we had sad news this week with the passing of Dallas Morning News uh, reporter Chuck Carlton, a guest here on the Mike Drop in July twenty one, talking about college football uh, playoff expansion. He was known as a, you know, college football guy, well-respected and admired and fun person. But you, you also saw another side 
of, of, of Chuck Carlton uh, as a journalist. Tell, t- tell us about it, how you'll remember Chuck. Yeah, I was uh, actually very sad and in shock this week uh, where, or last week when I heard that. And, uh, you know, I remember Chuck fondly because, uh, you know, we I, I've been here 14 and a half years. And when I got here, we had just lost a women's final four bid. So it was really setting forth how how can we ensure that the next time we bid, we're successful on a women's mm-hmm. final four? And it really meant okay, we've got to build uh, women's basketball following and and get some excitement here. And we did that through hosting Big 12 Women's Basketball Championships, uh, NCAA Women's Regional, and other Big 12 Women's Basketball Championships, and then eventually the the Final Four in 2017. But Chuck was one of those reporters that would actually cover women's basketball. He would come out to the events, and he was very passionate and excited about it, and uh, would actually do interviews with with me and and others within the community. So I attribute you know some of our success of actually landing a, a women's Final Four for 2017 to to Chuck and the fact that you know he he did give women's basketball a spotlight, um, you know, 12 14 years ago. To yeah, a really sad know. deal. He was only 64. Leaves behind his uh, wife Amy and daughter and. Uh, I, I encourage everyone go check out the piece, the tribute piece that Kevin Sherrington wrote in the morning news, just a beautiful, uh, you know, series of stories and anecdotes uh, about Chuck that give you a sense of what he was like and how well respected he was and admired in and out of the, out of the sports journalism community. So, you know, again, our thoughts uh, will be with his family. We're just a sad, sad deal. So, okay. Back in a moment. Did you know the Dallas Zoo provides guests with real-life opportunities to make memorable connections with more than 2,000 animals? Please support the zoo's mission to inspire and empower action on behalf of the wildlife in Texas and around the world. Visit DallasZoo.com to purchase your tickets today. Thanks, Rachel. And now we're excited to welcome to Mike Drop Dallas the great Joe Trahan, the Channel 8 main sports anchor. June will mark 20 years. Can you believe that, Joe? Channel 8, 20 years. He's been the main sports anchor for almost two years. He's a girl dad. He may or may not have some Taylor Swift in his music collection. But the big news today, Joe, and Monica and I and Marcus really appreciate you pulling yourself away from the Cowboys draft to join us today to help break it down a little bit. But you may not be aware, this is your third time on the on Mike Drop Dallas. You join Mark Followell as the only three-time guests Right now, Mark, right now, Marcus is getting a phone call from Mike Reiner's agent demanding to be booked uh, so he can catch up. There's several two-timers. I'm sure Gina Miller is not happy about this, but Followell and Trahan are the leaders in the clubhouse with their third appearance. I don't know, Joe, where this ranks in the pantheon of your career highlights, but welcome back to Mike Drop Dallas for your third visit. I think Monica is going to send you a certificate or a plaque or something from the Sports Commission. Well, first of all, Monica and Sully, you know I love you guys. I appreciate the uh, reciprocity in terms of the love. So yeah, I'll I'll take my three time you know appearance as a championship that that I certainly appreciate. We'll have to have a unification bot with you and Mark Followell at some point. And uh, uh, Mark's kind of wiry now. I, I don't know if I want that smoke, Sully. I know he's uh, he's a, he's a fit guy. So yes, but you are too. Okay, let's get right to it, Cowboys. Uh, uh, you just you just finished listening to Michigan defensive tackle first round pick Mozzie Smith. What do you what is your takeaway on the Cowboys making that uh, making him the the first round pick? 
Listen, here's the thing. I think you can, if you want to throw rocks at the Cowboys, if you just want to do it, right, you could. You absolutely could. I mean, we're talking about um, a player who's probably going to be a two-down player, was the 26th overall pick too rich for him. You could make that case, right? But I'm not going to because I've watched too much Cowboys football, you know, over these 20 years that I've been doing the sports here in Dallas. And they haven't had the type of fire hydrant, um, run-plugging defender like Mossy Smith in a long time. And I want to see what Dan Quinn's defense looks like when it has it, right? And and, and so I'm not going to pan the pick. In fact, I'm going to applaud the pick. And if this guy can get even close to what they're saying, they think he can do, the impact that it could have would be far more significant you know, than a three down player. So I, I don't care if he only plays two downs. If he can get opposing offenses in third and eight, we know what this Cowboys defense can do then. That's, you know, that that's when Michael Parsons puts on the Superman cape and Demarcus Ware turns into a Marvel superhero and, and this team is at its best. So uh, I'm down with it. The kid has to live up to the potential and you never know. The NFL is hard. If it wasn't, everyone would be doing it. He got. He has to live up to the potential that they have set for him. But if he does, I like the pick. Yeah, ESPN described him as a high-impact starter from day one. So, so we'll see. Now, let's switch to the Rangers. Uh, lots of reasons for optimism. Pretty strong start. A little, little couple of bobbles lately, but pitching looks good. What do you? What is your? What are your thoughts on the outlook for the Rangers this season? Well, first of all, um, we need to talk about Major League Baseball. I feel like Ranger fans are getting this incredible Christmas present so far before December because Major League Baseball has things together in terms of the pitch clock, you know, the way they're doing business, getting rid of the shift, the larger bases. I feel like baseball has fixed a lot of their ills and the Rangers have done the exact same thing, right? The the rotation, it's evident what they can do, what they will do, what they will be. Um, you got Corey Seager hurt. Josh Young just got hurt. They're wobbling now, right? Uh, they've lost uh, four straight here. But I, I think we can see what this team could be and can be now that they've sunk, you know, $800 million into this thing in the last two off seasons. So, you know, I'm telling all my friends who, who like baseball, get out to the ballpark as soon as you can. Try and catch one of the few cool days that we have left and hope that they open the roof because when they do, it's a different experience. And with the way this team is playing, getting a chance to do that in the spring uh, is a lot of fun. I've already done it myself, and I had a blast. So um, all good for the Ranger faithful. Recently, as I think you know, the Sports Business Journal named Dallas the number one city in America to, to conduct sports business. And you know, Monica and her team deserve just a little bit of uh, credit for 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 that accomplishment. And one of the things we had we had uh, uh, a couple of the reporters from the Sports Business Journal on to talk about it, and they mentioned the arrival of PGA Frisco as one of the factors, the PGA of America moving here. Now, I know you have played that course uh, multiple times and have you know covered stories out there already. In fact, I heard on the air last week. Uh, you called it your ha- your new happy place. Uh, why 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 is is PJ Frisco your new happy place, Joe? Listen, um, golf has become my respite 
from the craziness that is involved with our job that you and Monica know oh so well. By the way, when I when I read that sports business journal report, I thought immediately of you, Monica. I want you to know that. You were the first person I, that came to mind when I read the headline. Uh, well, I saw it online. But anyway, um, listen, I, I love the sport. Uh, it's a it's a great challenge for me. It's a great getaway for me. It's centering for me. It's therapy for me. And if you like golf at all, um, we're talking about the new home of modern golf. It's 660 acres dedicated to golf. And I have made it my personal business to have seen just about all 660 acres. The only thing I haven't done is go inside the new Omni Resort, and that's happening in the matter of a few days. Um, I'm going to hesitate before I say this, um, but I think I'm correct. You will find, if you like golf, um, it's perfect. And that's from the Northern Texas PGA section and their golf park called the Ronnie to the short course, the 10-hole par 30 short course called the Swing, the Dance Floor, which is the largest um, natural grass putting surface on the planet. And then the two golf courses, both of which I've had a chance to play. If you get a chance to go out there, it's just perfect. And it's four minutes and 30 seconds from my front door. So, (laughs) yeah, it's my new happy place. So, Joe, before I get into some some of my questions over here, I need some clarification. You said that you have seen all 600 plus (laughs) acres. Are you trying to insinuate that you've been spraying your ball like your ball's not going as straight as you would like it to? Or can you expand on what you meant by that? (laughs) First of all, that is a very good catch. And I'm glad that you're allowing me to clarify. Yes. um, Because. Fortunately, that's not the case. Okay. What actually has happened, it's so close, you guys, that I have walked so much of both of those golf courses with my dogs, right, before they were anywhere close to being golf courses. I've seen a lot of the terrain, you know? So, I mean, it it started well before the golf course even took shape. Um, I'd, I'd go and exercise and hike and walk through the area just to get a sense of it. And uh, so, yeah, not there's some spraying of the golf balls, but not a lot, not okay. a lot. I didn't think that's what you meant, but I didn't, no. I didn't want our listeners to take that away and, uh, you know, kind of assume that. So I needed a clarification. Yes, um, Joe, you're closing in on uh, 30 years in sports TV. Uh, we know the media landscape has changed dramatically over those years. Uh, in what ways do you approach your work at Channel 8 now uh, differently today than what you did, say, 10 years ago? It's interesting, Monica, because there is there's literally not a day that goes by that I don't think about how can I present this differently? Um, how can I present this in a more interesting way? If you've watched my sportscast, you know I'm going to have graphics back there for you to look at. I'm going to we, we've got these great LED video walls. I'm going to use them in a lot of different ways. I'm going to put graphics in them. I'm going to put video in them. I am going to uh, make sure that my viewers know that I have gone the extra mile to give you something that not only informs you, but stimulates you. And listen, I got to give a little, I got to give a little sizzle too, right? I've got to give it all now because, you know, with the advent of social media and the way that people consume now, if you are not filling up all of their senses, they will go and grab the iPad that, you know, I've got them all right here. They'll grab the iPad 
they'll grab the phone, they'll go away in short order. So, you know, it is un- incumbent upon us, especially in local television, to do all that we can. You know, there was a time um, when some broadcasters and some sportscasters thought that, you know, minimalism was the way to go. Hey, just, you know, the one tight shot. Let's go to the video. I want to be the absolute focus of everything. I don't know if we can still do it that way anymore. You know, it's uh, I've got to give you some value added things in terms of what keeps your attention. Um, so if you look at my sports cast, you'll see a lot of that. So you are a, a, actually a master storyteller. Uh, what uh, are your favorite types of sports stories to tell during your newscast? Uh, that that not, OK, I appreciate the softball. Uh-huh. Because I appreciate it. I appreciate it. that's a softball for me because I, I can go all day on this one. Um, we when we cover sports, we are almost teed up to get the triumph of the human spirit. Um, uh, players, athletes at adba- uh, facing adversity and overcoming adversity. There are all these you know, great things baked into sports because, you know, some most of them are so hard to do, especially on the professional level. Um, but even on the high school level, that, that's where I've found some of my favorite stories. And, and, and I'll just mention one in particular. There was a young woman who went to a Fort Worth high school who was homeless, but she didn't want to tell anyone on her basketball team. So her basketball coach was wondering why she was always worried when they would play tournaments on the weekend coach when are these games going to be over when are we going to be done if we win again we're going to have to be late play later she was worried because she was worried about getting back to the homeless shelter in time turns out she was a fantastic student um and and we told her story it ended up getting an sb from espn um and just the most fantastic young lady and 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 to you know, to boot everything. She's at the University of Houston studying architecture because she wants to provide homes for people who otherwise can't have them. I mean, I don't know how much better you can get than that, right? And and sports allows that. And and so those are absolutely my favorite stories to tell. Wow, that that was special. I hadn't heard that one. So, okay, Um, we're recording this on a Friday. Our Dallas Stars are preparing for game six tonight uh, against uh, Minnesota. All right, how far uh, how far is this Stars team going to go? I think they've got something special. I do. And listen, w- w- with the way these NHL playoffs have gone, home ice advantage not meaning what it's what we necessarily think it should or or would or does. You know, I do think it's it's wide open for this team and they've got a great blend of young players um uh like when you think about the resurgence of Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, uh, when you think about that and you couple it with Jason Robertson, Merrill Haskinen, uh, Rope Hintz, you've got a good blend. And then, of course, you got Jake Ottinger, who has found it. You know, he has shown on multiple occasions that he can be the brick wall that you need at times to really go deep. I feel like they've got all the ingredients. I feel like the mix is right. I feel like Peter DeBoer came at the right Time. It's a little bit more offensive uh, base to the way they go about things. And, 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 and I certainly enjoy that. The games are much more fun to watch now. So I think they got as good a shot as anybody uh, in terms of coming out of the West. And after that, once you get 
you know, to the cup final if they do end up facing Boston, who has been a juggernaut. Well, we'll see how it goes. Joe, to say this is a big offseason for for the Mavericks would be a massive understatement. Hmm. Give us your take on what what you think they need to do and will do. Sully, that's that's a hard one for me because I'll put it this way. When I think about Luka Doncic and when I think about Kyrie Irving, I consider both of them basketball savants, mm-hmm. right? Things that they can do on the court, the way they see the court, the way they move and can get to different spots and also open up other spots for their teammates. It's, 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 it's genius um, in basketball terms. But here's the problem I have. I feel like you had two basketball geniuses, but when they got together, it looked awful. It, 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 it looked elementary. It looked, and take this for what it's worth, it looked AAU. And I couldn't, I, I don't understand it. I can't explain it. I know they, you know, they, they didn't have a full season together. I get all that. But those two were too smart, and I think it should have come together quicker. And I have no idea why it didn't. I know that Luca mentioned some personal things that's going on. I don't know how heavily that's weighing on the situation. I did not see enough from Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving to be confident that those two can move forward and lead a team to a championship. Did I not give them enough time? That I don't know. Um, But I think Mark and Nico have some incredibly difficult decisions ahead in terms of what you do with Kyrie Irving. I know Mark has said they want to bring him back. Um, But what do you do with him? Does that turn into a sign and trade situation? Um, to try and get other assets to pair with Luca, that's problematic. The other thing that is more problematic than anything is the clock, because it's ticking, right? If you don't surround Luca with the right um, asset assets and teammates soon, he's gonna leave. He's not Dirk. He's not Dirk Nowitzki. He's not gonna stick around, right? Um, so. The, that's always in the background, right? The clock is ticking. Sully, you remember this. There was a time when, when, when we wondered who's the best type of player to pair with Dirk Nowitzki, right? Um, what's, what's the great compliment? I think it turned out to be Tyson Chandler, uh, the defender um, who, who was a little bit rah-rah, who kept the defense together. He was a talker. He was loud, you know, and he got the guys together. They need to find the compliment for Luka. And, and I'm not sure what it is. Um, I do think they need a better defensive presence because the way they defended, got out rebounded at times this year was sophomore. It was awful. Yes. So um, I could go on for. I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm rambling because I'm trying to. I'm, I've been racking my brain trying to figure that one out, Sully. I think it's going to be tough. No, it's that that was a that was definitely a, a, an interesting take. I, this will one more question for you, Joe. The Monica mentioned that you're a master storyteller. You're also an elite relationship person and have been, you know, throughout your career. When you talk about like the way you break it down on the teams and kind of in this post COVID sort of the current media environment, are you able to build relationships with the, the, the leadership and the players and the coaches on the teams in order to, you know, deliver some of the analysis that this sharp analysis we just heard from you, that's still possible for a, for a reporter anchor. I feel like we we are having more of a resurgence now, but Sully, there was a three-year almost dark period where, you know, I could quickly go to people and say, hey, listen, like, like I just did, 
I don't know if this is right, but this is what I feel. This is what I, you know, th- this is what I sense. I've done a little research. The numbers seem to back it up. Am I going down the right road here? Yeah, you are. Or Joe, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. X, Y, Z, right? Um, mm-hmm. It was readily accessible. But COVID and post-COVID almost knocked that out. Thank goodness, you know, for texting. But you know how that is. The mm-hmm. tone isn't the same. You can't kind of sidle up to somebody and say, hey, I know this is not what you want to talk about right now, but can you indulge me? It's different. And it was has been incredibly difficult. Um, fortunately, I do think we are slowly emerging out of that. You know, I, I spent all night <laughs> at the star last night. I left the star last night at whatever, 1230, almost one o'clock. And I'm going right back over, was over there this morning as well. So um, I, I do think we're getting out of that. that and, and thank goodness, too, because I, I do think it's better for, for our viewers and it's better for people who care about the sport because, you know, I'm going to give you an unbiased, um, hopefully unvarnished opinion that I have vetted, right? And it's, you know, increasingly, Sully, it's hard to get that um, on a consistent basis. Well, Joe, thanks for coming back for your third visit. I think this may have been your best. What do you think, Monica? Joe was on fire today. Marcus? Without a doubt. Without a yeah, doubt. Way to go. The Perot Museum of Nature and Science plays a vital role in preparing the most talented and diverse STEM workforce of tomorrow right here in Dallas. Become a member today and enjoy free admission and other valuable benefits to support this nonprofit landmark. Visit perotmuseum.org for more information. Thanks, Rachel. And now we are pleased to be joined by Greg Bibb, president and CEO and partner of the Dallas Wings of the WNBA. Greg also, by the way, leads the Panther City Lacrosse Club. That's the Fort Worth-based team in the National Lacrosse League. He's a longtime sports industry vet, spent three years with the Washington Wizards. Uh, and we're happy to get him on the mic drop because the season is starting soon. The Wings play their first preseason game on May 5th at College Park Center on the UT Arlington campus. Regular season begins on Saturday, May 20th at home against the Atlanta Dream. More to come on that. Greg, welcome to Mic Drop. Thank you for having me. So, Greg, before uh, we get started in some questioning, I just have to, uh, a very heartfelt thank you uh, to you and your Dallas Wings organization and foundation for uh, really everything y'all stepped up in helping us to, to host the one of the most, if not the most successful women's Final Four to date. So just really wanted to, to say thank you for everything that y'all did for for the scene and the region. I appreciate that, Monica, but I feel like we should be thanking you because it was an honor to be a part, a very small part of an historically successful women's Final Four weekend. And once again, the city of Dallas and the North Texas region, largely because of your efforts and the efforts of your staff, have raised the bar uh, in the world of professionals, well, not in the world of sports in general, but in the world of women's basketball in particular. So thank you and congratulations. Thank you for that. So go ahead and, uh, well, you don't have to pencil it in. You can put it in marker for 2031. Go ahead and get it on your calendar. We have the dates. Looking forward. Uh, we'll, be, it, we'll be working together before 2031 still, but uh, for sure, uh, we'll want that engagement again. So Greg, uh, as we head into season number 26 for the WNBA, uh, what are the performance indicators that demonstrate how far the league has really come so far to date? I call them green arrow indicators, and we have a lot of green arrow indicators right now in the WNBA. 
Uh, as you mentioned, this is year 26. I've been involved for 15, I believe, years, and never has there been more energy, mm -hmm. more interest, more engagement with our league than there is today. And I think there's a couple of different, a few reasons for that. One, women's basketball in general is enjoying this renaissance or this rebirth period. Um, and we certainly felt that in Dallas a few weeks ago. Um, so you have that kind of baseline of tremendous energy around women's basketball. And then at the WNBA level, I think we've been fortunate um, to have some really good people come into the league at exactly the right time. And I won't talk about all of them, but I think Commissioner Kathy Engelbert uh, is the one person in particular that I wanted to point out. I think she is exactly what our league needed. Uh, and she has, through sheer will, um, taken our league and elevated it in so many different ways. So I've never been more bullish on the business of women's basketball and the WNBA than I am today. Um, and I think the one thing that's always been there, but has been even better recently and will be even better this year than before, the product is so good. Uh, and you can literally see the evolution of the women's game before our eyes. Uh, so I'm super excited for the summer, not only here in Dallas with the wings, but across the WNBA in general, I think we're going to set all kinds of new high water marks in many of the metrics that we typically look at to judge success. Just really exciting from my perspective to to see the growth and the and the excitement. It is like a whole new energy uh, in the air and around the sport. So I can't wait to make it out to, to some of the games this season. So, Greg, we have a lot of strong women leaders in Dallas, uh, especially from a sports standpoint. Sid Marshall, Charlotte Jones come to mind uh, typically. 75% of the Wings executive team are women. Uh, that has to make you proud. How, how important is that to you and your ownership group? Well, I think it's, it's vitally important, and I'm extraordinarily proud of it. I think there's kind of two pieces to this. Um, the more simple piece is it's good business. Um, you know, there have been many, many studies done by people far more intelligent than me that have proven that the more women you have involved in leadership positions in your organization, the more likely your organization is to have sustained long-term success. Uh, and then the second reason, Kenley, it's the right thing to do. Um, if we're going to be a league that, you know, prides itself on diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, if we're going to live up to the first letter of our name, um, it's the right thing to do. Uh, and I'm involved with the WNBA for a lot of reasons, but one of them is this very reason. I think it's an unbelievable opportunity provider to women. And as a father uh, of a daughter, um, one of the reasons I first decided to get involved in the WNBA was I realized the opportunity I'd have to show my own daughter that anything's possible if you're willing to put in the work um, to achieve it. So I'm very proud of the fact that we have a leadership team that is predominantly women. And as an investor in the team, as well as the president CEO, I'm glad that they're here because they're moving our business forward and ultimately driving value 
in so our organization. Greg, the wings uh, are going to be honored with a proclamation, I think I heard, uh, at the Texas Capitol. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, it was actually yesterday. Uh, we were very fortunate uh, to be honored in both the Texas State House of Representatives and the Texas State Senate at the Capitol down in Austin. Uh, a proclamation was read in both chambers. Uh, thank you to uh, Representative Julie Johnson and Senator Johnson, not related, just coincidentally last same last name, uh, who sponsored us uh, to be honored down in 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 Austin at the state capitol, really for our work in the community and to what we just spoke about, um, our work in terms of um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So it was a great day for us. It was nice to be honored. You know, I think it's important too. I'm an East Coast guy, so I, I lived and breathed this bias before I came to Texas. You know, it's very easy to look at Texas and kind of put it in a box and say that Texas and everyone that's in it thinks a certain way. Um, and that's that's not true. There's a lot of really good people in Austin, quote unquote, fighting the fight every day for the things that are important to many of us. Uh, so it was good to go down there with our team, our staff, and have everyone reminded that there are good people in state politics that are doing good things on behalf of Texans. Greg, let's shift the conversation to on the court. You uh, coming off a playoff berth last season, but you made a coaching change over, over the off season, uh, bringing in Latricia Trammell to be the new head coach. Say She's known as LT. Why is LT such a good fit at this time for this team? Yeah, we've been making incremental progress the last several years as we've kind of evolved through this planned rebuild that we launched, I think, four seasons ago now. But in my estimation, at the end of last year, after talking with staff and going through our uh, player X interview process, which we do every year, I just felt like if we were going to take that next big step that we need to take to ultimately achieve the goal that we're here to achieve, which is to win a WNBA championship, we needed to make some changes. And some of those changes uh, were on the coaching side of the ledger. And with Latricia Trammell, we get first and foremost, a great basketball mind, uh, a coach that has won at virtually every level of the game. Someone is very well respected around our league. She's known as a defensive specialist and mastermind. But what really kind of impressed me and really overwhelmed me when I really had an opportunity to start spending time with her. And I, I've known LT for some time, just being in the league together. She's a bucket filler. And when I say bucket filler, that's not like bucket, like make it basket. I believe there are two types of people in life that you encounter. There are people that fill your bucket and there are people that empty your bucket. And we won't talk about the bucket emptiers. We're going to talk about the fillers. When I say that, I mean, people that just make you feel better when they're around you, make you better as whatever you're trying to be because they're around you and just make things good. They make you feel better. Um, they pick you up uh, when you're down. And that's that's Coach LT. She's a bucket filler and she brings an unbridled enthusiasm, a positive outlook. And you just feel like things are going to go your way because she's on your team. Um, so we have to have all that other stuff. We have to have a good basketball coach, someone who knows what they're doing, someone who's well-respected and will earn the respect of her team quickly. But once I knew we had all that, really the icing on the cake for me was that she's a bucket filler. And I felt it already in our pre-camp workouts with our team. 
And I'm really excited for Sunday, April 30th, when we open camp to see that in action. By all accounts, you had a really, really strong offseason with the players that you added to the team. Give us a preview of, of, of what the team, how the team is shaping up and what we can expect uh, for the 2023 season. When we went through free agency this offseason and then the draft, we kind of shifted our focus. We had been kind of in talent aggregation mode. Let's bring in as many good players as we can. But as we got to this offseason, we realized that we were pretty close to what we want to be but we had some very specific needs. So we kind of shifted our focus to need-based decisions. So first and foremost, we addressed um, some free agency uh, needs. We added Natasha Howard, who's a former defensive player of the year, uh, former all-league performer, three-time WNBA champion. We added Diamond to Shields, who's an all-league player, former champion. We added Crystal Dangerfield, a former rookie of the year. So with that group, we obviously added talent, but we also added experience and a combined four championships between Natasha and Diamond. My favorite stat, coming out of last season's playoff run, our collective roster had a total of 77 games of playoff experience in the WNBA. Natasha joins us with 78 herself. So we addressed one of our biggest needs, which was bringing experience, bringing championship winning experience. We also addressed some defensive um, shortcomings that we had, particularly with Natasha. The one thing we didn't address in free agency that we wanted to address in the draft was shooting. Uh, When you break basketball down, at the end of the day, it's about shooting the basketball into the basket and scoring more points than whoever you're playing. And we needed to add some additional shooting to our roster. So when you look at our draft class, you say, wow, they spent a lot of picks picking a lot of players who are very similar. And that actually was by design because we wanted to create a camp environment where literally the best shooter wins that we know coming out of camp, no matter what, we're going to have a really good shooter or two on our team that we did not have last year. So when we open camp here on the 30th, we're going to have an uber competitive environment which is what I like because I think competition leads to the best product possible in terms of roster uh, that we'll roll out for our home opener on um, May the 20th. And in the draft, you added Lou Lopez Seneschal from UConn, first Mexican-born player drafted into the WNBA. You have nine countries and nine languages. Uh, I'm not good at math, as Marcus and Monica know, but if if I'm correct on that, nine countries and nine languages on the roster. Is that by design? I would be lying if I said we sat down to create the most diverse and global roster in the history of the WNBA. Um, But along the way, I figured out it was happening. And I, it's again, back to who we are, what we are, where we play, you know, we are walking the walk to match the talk. Um, and I think it's really cool. I'm a big believer in the value and strength of diversity. I think different perspective, different life experiences only leads to better results, whether that's winning basketball games or whatever you want to talk about. So the fact that we have so many different perspectives, so many different walks of life, so many experiences coming together on our roster in my mind can only help us. And then after that, it's just plain old cool, you know, to sit in a press conference with Lou Lopez Seneschal and have her answer questions in English and then answer them in France in French from a reporter in Paris and then answer them in Spanish from a reporter in Mexico City. That's that's cool, you know, on top of everything else. So I'm really excited to have that kind of uh, diversity 
and inclusiveness on our roster, I think it's only going to make us better. And when you're walking the walk and walking the talk, by the way, you're going to look good uh, because you've got some great merch with with the wings. Tell us about the Nike Rebel jerseys. Those look pretty. Yeah, so, you know, Nike's been a great partner of our league for some time now. Uh, and um, several years ago, we we rolled out uh, with Nike um, the her collection, H-E-R, uh, the heroin jersey, the Explorer jersey and the Rebel jersey. And the Rebel jersey is our third jersey supposed to be by design a little bit non-traditional. Um, and for 2023, we have the second iteration of that Rebel jersey. And I'm really happy with how it turned out. I think it's a cool product. Um, another example of how we've evolved as a team and as an organization, as a business, we're rolling out a complete product line along with that jersey. So not only is there the Rebel jersey that a fan can own, but there are t-shirts and hats and sweatshirts that also are within that Rebel line that can be purchased by a consumer. So um, really excited about it. I think it looks great. And I can't wait for our fans to start you know, wearing that Rebel jersey and Rebel line of merchandise, not only here at College Park Center, but all over the country. So, Greg, I know you got to go here, but before we let you go, uh, you've got your regular season home opener coming up May 20th against Atlanta. You're launching a Pack the Park campaign to sell it out. Uh, give our fans and listeners uh, an idea. How do you describe that fan experience at a Wings game? What should somebody uh, expect that hasn't been out to, to one of your games yet? Yeah, if you haven't been you definitely need to come, whether you're a fan of women's basketball or not. It is just an unbelievable atmosphere. We hosted our first ever home playoff game last year. And despite not getting the outcome we want, I am 25 years into my professional sports career. I've been blessed to be everything from Final Fours to Super Bowls and everything in between. I have never heard a crowd as loud in a building as what we experienced for our home playoff game last year. College Park Center is perfect for our sport. It's a basketball specific venue, just under 7,000 seats. No matter where you sit, you feel like you're literally on top of the court. It's a low ceiling, it's a metal ceiling. So the sound just bounces everywhere. Uh, and you put 6,000 people in that building, it feels like you're playing in front of 20, 25,000. Um, on top of that, it's centrally located in the North Texas Marketplace right here in Arlington on the campus of UTA. Um, and uh, one of the great things about the WNBA, it's an affordable product. You can get in the door for as low as 10, 15 bucks. Our average ticket price is like 30, 35 bucks. And you can be as close as to touch the players and high five them as they run by uh, for very little beyond that. So it's a great opportunity to come out and see athletes who are the very best at what they do in the world, the best 144 women's basketball players on the planet compete in the WNBA. And for 20 times a summer, for little more than it would cost to go see a movie and buy a box of popcorn, you can be up close and personal with that kind of athlete. It's a tremendous opportunity. Well, definitely some uh, great energy there at Adela Dallas Wings game. I uh, encourage everyone to get out and support them. Uh, go to wings.wnba.com for ticket information. All the best this season, Greg. And again, thank you for all that you do for the Wings, women's basketball, and, and us in, in general here from a Sports Commission standpoint. So thank you for joining us on the mic drop. Thank you so much for having me.
Thanks to Joe Trahan on behalf of Monica Paul and the Sports Commission. Thanks to Joe and, and Greg Bibb from the Dallas Wings. Good luck to them this season as well. Thanks to the Mike Drop production team, Danielle, Next Level, Marcus Carr, and Jason Kurtz at Tony Fay PR, ran over at Vocal Media. Of course, our showrunner, Tony Fay. Until next time, thanks for listening, everybody.